There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week we focus on a person, historical event or pop culture moment linked to HIV explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Right. For the second time this morning, welcome to the HIV podcast. Fingers Hello. crossed for no feedback. Oh, you're right. Good. Thank you. We thought we'd got all techie, didn't we, after last week's breakthrough with our headphones. But then today it's just we've gone back to sound problems. Sod's law, Sarah, isn't it? Just sound is not our bag. No, it's not. That's why we've got lovely Zoe. Yes, but it sounds good so far, so let's like plough on. Okay, I like it. I have notes from last week. Oh, from the HIV advert episode. Yeah, yeah. No no feedback, as in no one, you know, was super angry. I think people just took it as this is our opinions, which they were. You know, that is. Did you think people would be angry then? Do you know what it was? The the advert was so divisive in itself between people either really loving it or really disliking it. I thought we might get feedback along those same lines. So we, I did have some people who obviously like, yeah, we agree. But I thought there might also be some people that were like, absolutely not. It's a masterpiece. But we didn't. And people just probably, I don't know why I think everyone's going to attack us all the time. Okay. If the sound has suddenly changed drastically, um, <laughs> we should just know it's changed a bit. As we mentioned in the beginning, a few sound problems. We're ditching the headphones. One episode in, we've ditched the headphones. Oh, just bonked my microphone. We'll come back to them another time. We just we don't have the time today to be working out why they're making weird hissing noises in Sarah's ears. I think it's mine. Who knows? Anyway, where were we? We were talking about the advert, weren't we? Oh, yes. Right, back, back, back in the room. Yeah, I think I just thought that. I don't know. But anyway, no, we didn't. But the notes aren't on that, Sarah. Someone quite rightly, Oliver Brown, thank you very much. You know, we were talking about the Wizards, Wizard of Oz and how I said that Oompa Loompa's got ill because they were painted with like lead paint, yeah? there Nobody else noticed but Oliver Brown. There are no Oompa Loompas in the Wizard of Oz. What? What are they then? They're munchkins. 
You're thinking of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. No, I'm not. So what I was genuinely talking about was the Munchkins in The Wizard of Oz, but I forgot what they were called and called did some weird crossover of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in The Wizard of Oz. So I wasn't talking about the Implementers. I was talking about the Munchkins. Oh. So apologies for my <laughs> mistake there. We're talking munchkins. We're not talking Impalumpas. So the munchkins were fine. No, it's the munchkins. This was the, this is what I'm talking about. Allegedly, what? I'm sure is the story where I read where it was like lead paint that was mixed or there was lead within the, their face paint that they had to wear. So the Impalumpas were fine. The, yes, they've got nothing to do with anything. Right. Okay. So the munchkins in the Wizard of Oz all died of lead poisoning. Wait, I didn't say they died, Sarah. Oh, I said, I said some of them got ill, I think. Oh. Allegedly. I'm sure that's, I said, as I said, I'm sure it's, I don't know if it's an urban myth or not, but yes, as Oliver Brown quite rightly pointed out, I was like, oh, how funny. Yeah, that is not what I meant at all. That's the only note I have from last week. Oh, Oliver Brown's amazing. And I think I'd like him to be my new podcast partner. Just spent that out there. I'm sure, I'm sure he wouldn't mind at all. Yeah, I'm sure. Do you reckon? Well, you only give a sound. He's very knowledgeable and he would keep us on track, I feel. Well, if it was just you and him, he would, yeah, he would definitely. He would be like, no nonsense. No silly nonsense over here, thank you. Okay, well, thank you. That's very helpful to know. I hadn't even picked up on it. (laughs) Well, me neither. It's one of those things where you just go, yeah, okay, yeah. Even at the time, we didn't realise. Couldn't believe it. Anyway, what are we doing today? This week and next week. We are going to look at ending transmission of HIV by 2030. I bang on about this all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone, not just you, everyone bangs on about this all the time, don't they, I feel? Oh, but we've mentioned it a few times, haven't we, in previous episodes about, you know, that's the aim is to end transmission. But we're going to look at what it actually is and whether it is achievable. Yes. So here in the UK, government announced on the 1st of December 2021 their National HIV Action Plan, having already committed to the global aim of ending transmission by 2030. So Matt, oh, remember Matt Hancock? Sadly, I do. (laughs) He's in that SAS Who Dares Wins. And um, oh, it was very good. They were, they, they gave him, they gave him what for they did. And I liked it. Oh, okay. Well, he was health secretary at the time. He said he wanted the UK to be one of the first countries to reach the UN, United Nations, zero infections target by 2030. The action plan came about because of campaigning from HIV charities such as THT, National AIDS Trust, Elton John AIDS Foundation. I mean, it's not going to surprise you that I do have opinions on all of this, Jess. Okay. These opinions are not aimed at these HIV charities because they have done phenomenal work to push the government forward. My criticism is, well, it's aimed at the government, really. Okay, go on. Well, we're going to look at what the plan entails and then how achievable it is for us as a local charity, because we can't speak for the rest of the country. But I do know that there are challenges for us in Berkshire and Hampshire. I know you'll have committed to memory the government's plan. Oh, wasn't it um, to get to zero new transmissions by 2030? Yeah, amongst other things, yes. But that is the overall goal. Yeah. And government, they launched their plan and they said, we're doing this on the basis that the UK has a great track track record for reducing HIV transmission already. A success story, they called it. Your solemn little face. Oh, sorry, sorry. I was was nodding. I was there like... (laughs) Mm, the government plan. So, yes, yeah, so they're saying this isn't, we're already a success story. We can only get better. 
Yeah. So to clear up a few things, first of all, this is a global initiative. They didn't come up with this 2030 goal themselves, although um, when they launched it, that's how it came across to me. Right. The success story that they allude to is what I've got a few things to say about. But first of all, we'll look at what they base it on. So the government says there was a 35% reduction in new HIV diagnoses in England between 2014 and 2019. Pretty awesome, right? Yes. In 2019, an estimated 94% of people living with HIV had been diagnosed. Great big tick there. 98% of those diagnosed were on treatment and 97% had an undetectable viral load, meaning they can't pass the infection on. They're not wrong. They do have a good track record there, don't they? Yes, those are all fantastic statistics. Yeah. And I don't want to be picky, but I don't think that the government should receive any credit for all the work being done. Because that is down to the dedication and hard work of HIV medical professionals, HIV charities, and those living with HIV, all working together to ensure medication is accessible and taken regularly. Yeah, I mean, that is true, yeah. So that's that's my beef about that. Don't take the credit for our work, and especially don't take the credit for people living with HIV and their hard work in reaching those stats. Well, yes. And there were, you know, there's been lots of funding cuts, haven't there? You know, we don't have any ring funds to money like we used to have. So you sort of, I suppose in some respects, the government have taken away from the HIV sector and then also gone, oh, well, they're still working really hard and we're going to take all the praise for that work. I see what you're saying. Yes. Now, the government says because of this success, well done, everybody involved in HIV care. They are committed to achieving zero new HIV infections and HIV related deaths in England by 2030. Fair enough. They said we will need to maintain the excellent progress made with key groups, gay and bisexual men, younger adults and those in London. Are they a different group altogether? I quite like the way they put that. Like They're just a, a totally different species of people, those in London. That's so weird. Isn't it? I mean, London does have some a high prevalence of HIV in some boroughs. Yeah. It's just the way they pick them out, those London people. Yeah. You're a Londoner. You're in this. Like, How bizarre. <laughs> It's so weird. You completely put me off. Now I think of London as just kind of a separate entity. Yes, for me, yeah. I quite like it's like a country by itself, isn't it now? Like yes. London. And the government want to um, significantly improve diagnosis for other groups. So more progress, they say, is needed on heterosexuals and black Africans. Okay. They say they are the highest rates of HIV within that particular ethnic group. I mean, Africa is a massive country. They haven't broken it down into sub-Saharan Africa or the Horn of Africa. or It's just all of Africa and all of the African people. It's a continent. I mean, it's enormous. I know. I know. Uh, so those groups will now be a priority for HIV prevention and testing. I mean, I thought they were anyway. We're ahead of the game, Jess, yet again. Apparently so. They're just stealing our ideas. I don't yeah. <laughs> think that's what they did. Yeah. <laughs> so they say it's essential we maintain our fo- focus on combination prevention and testing levels, including opt-out testing in high and very high prevalence areas. And that has got to rapidly increase, they say. So the National Health Service England and NHS Improvement will expand opt-out testing in emergency departments in the highest prevalence local authority areas. A proven, effective way to identify new cases and they'll invest £20 million over the next three years to support this activity. I am very much on board with that because I think it's an excellent way to, well, no, I am. I'm fully on board with it. I think it's a great way to test people yeah. in a clinical environment. That is a good lot of money being spent on it as well. Do you know what? It sounds like a lot, 
But I think in the grand scheme of things, and we will look at this, look at the kind of money that's been put towards all of this and how that compares to um, a few years ago. Right. They've also said we need to make up lost ground due to the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, that is true. That has had a big effect. It has. And they also say, and this is a good point, actually, that as new infections reduce, they become harder to find. I hadn't even thought of that. They do, don't they? How do you know when you've tested the last person? And how do you know? Well, yeah, but how do you know at all? Because how do you know people are telling the truth? Mm. How do you know? Because there are so many different ways to test, which is fantastic. But with all those different ways to test, it's like if someone would say to me, yeah, 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 I've tested before I tested at home. How do we know? How do we know? You could just say, yeah, I tested. No, I just, I mean, yes, it would be harder to find people, wouldn't it? It'd be like looking for a needle in a haystack in the end. Yeah. But how do you know when you finish? Surely you can never know that point. You could never rely on that just to go, yeah, I think we've done it now, guys. So we're just going to pack up and go home. (laughs) Yeah, that's done. We can retire. Yeah, I don't think you could, could you? Because you could never guarantee that you have actually tested everyone. No. So could you ever confidently say that you've ended transmission? What is their benchmark of proving this? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like this is only just dawning on me. Like, is how do they say that this has been a success? What does that look like? I suppose. Well, oh, imagine if you do get to that, and then you know things kind of change, don't they? So you could think you've eradicated it. And then someone pops up who then tests positive. Oh, the poor person. Imagine being, oh, no, guys, you thought you'd ended transmission, but I've just tested positive. But also, and I know we sort of probably sound like we're really nitpicking now because we're sort of talking about like one person or two people. But you're always going to have people who are migrating, like, you know, into the country possibly. So you might, let's say everyone's tested. But then how do you know for all the different people who come here on holiday or to stay or to live or to work? that they've then tested how do we because if you've constantly got movement of people how can you ever be sure that you're on top of this do you see what I'm saying yeah no no, I do I absolutely do see there are too many moving parts really aren't there They really are I'm just really interested as to what the benchmark of you know what the marker is of success oh well I'm not covering that who knows (laughs) I'll wait to hear from Matt Hancock yes where was his head at at the time? He would have had a plan. He had a plan for everything. There Jeff. must have been a plan. No, look at the way he careered through COVID. Oh, he talked about that on um, the SAS Who Dares Wins. And he tried to continue to justify his actions and his behaviours by saying stuff like, oh, but it, well, it didn't actually break the laws. It was only when it was just guidance and I didn't do that, you know, when he had an affair. And I was just like, just shut up, Matt. Nobody wants to hear this. Just be, just say sorry. I don't want to hear your excuses. Yeah, just own it. Yeah. Imagine still coming up with, with excuses all this time. I mean, he lost his job because, well, partly because of that, partly because he was awful and useless. Yeah. But just never been able to accept responsibility for it, which I think is part of the problem with this government. But we really don't want to go down that path because yeah, exactly. we'll be here all day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I shouldn't have taken us off off topic. Okay, so. To achieve the ambitions that we've just been talking about, there will be, and to ensure our partners across the health system and beyond maintain and intensify partnership working, there's going to be four core themes. There's objectives, Jess, there's ambitions, and now we've got themes. So the themes are prevent, test, treat, and retain. What does retain mean? Are we keeping people captive? Yes, we're going to round up everyone with HIV. We're going to retain them. (laughs) on a barge 
<laughs> oh, no. to see what the government do with people. No, retainers keep them retained in care. Oh, right. Okay, that makes sense. I have never heard that expression. Oh, well, these are the core themes that we should be working to. Uh, they're going to enhance, expand and bring together single elements of evidence-based HIV prevention activities into a comprehensive combination prevention programme. If you are wondering why I sound intrigued by this, by these ambitions, it's because I would consider our HIV charity, TVPS, who we work for, as part of this across the health system and beyond. Yes. Yeah. I don't think it's nice to be referred to as and beyond, but never mind. (laughs) And so I'd quite like to know how that £20 million is being distributed. Well, yeah. Which is what you were kind of saying earlier, where, where what's happening with that money. And in the grand scheme of things, it is a tiny amount. So if you look at the A support grant, which you talked about earlier, it's a a ring-fenced grant specifically for local authorities to fund HIV services. Arguably, some of them are very creative in how they spent it. But it was supposed to be for organisations like us and specialised social workers and and all that stuff. So in 2014-15, which was the last time the grant was distributed, it was £36.2 million. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you take into account inflation, it's a lot more money than the £20 million that they're distributing now. But again, how is it being spent? Do we know that? Do we know where any of it's going? Don't they have reports like Companies House or something? Can we not go and get their accounts or something, find out where it's gone? I don't know. I don't know how to find that out. I haven't really looked at it, to be honest. I've looked at the report. I've looked at the kind of specifics of, okay, well, what have you done with that £20 million government? Where did that money go? I suppose perhaps part of it is maybe part of Health Prevention England. I would hope so. Health Prevention, HIV Prevention England. Be good if I actually knew what it was called, wouldn't it? It's not like this is our sector. Imagine Oliver Brown tutting, sighing. Again, Jess, no. It's not not called that, is it? No, no, no. Yeah, so perhaps some of it's gone there. Yeah, and some of it, I'm sure, would then have to be distributed to the kind of emergency departments to or the labs. Opt out testing, maybe. Yeah, to I mean that um, is a great initiative, isn't it? No, I'm fully on board with opt out testing. I think it's a fantastic initiative. So anybody who is admitted to um, A&E would be greened for HIV as a matter of course, rather than being asked if they want an HIV test. Yeah, yeah. Um, It happens in uh, kind of maternity services. So any pregnant woman is automatically screened for HIV and it works. We had a service user a few weeks ago who's pregnant and she found out because she was screened during pregnancy that she's positive. It's sad, isn't it, that we have to kind of go to these lengths to make these things happen. It should just be standard practice, I think. But Yeah, it would be great if it was standard practice. It's, it's a difficult one, you know, services are stretched so much as it is. So I'm sure when the sort of new hospitals are looking at starting opt-out testing, they're a bit like, where do we even begin? Yeah, and how do you get the labs on board? That's yeah. a significant increase in the number of blood samples that they are going i know the blood samples are taken anyway but it's another bit to add on to the testing process yeah absolutely absolutely so okay back to our plan ready see we've both learned things i really have this is retaining we're retaining people in care all good plans include objectives and these objectives are um, also included in the plan i mean it's quite wordy if i'm honest yeah and if you trawl through it oh gosh you'll be there forever but we will Catch a link so anyone can go and read it for themselves. So by 2025, this is the progress that they want made. Twenty twenty. That's just over a year. Yeah. Do you know what? There are no flies on me. 
Yeah. Sean will be very proud. I mean, he sometimes, I think, doubts my financial knowledge because I tell him constantly how much I hate doing our figures. But see, Sean, quick maths mind there. There you go. 2025, over a year away. Well done, Sarah. Thank you very much. So what, what, what's supposed to be happening in over a year? Okay, so by 2025, the number of people first diagnosed in England should have dropped from 2,860 in 2019 to just under 600 in 2025. Oh, wow, that's, that is a massive drop. It's quite a big drop, isn't it? We should have reduced the number of people diagnosed with AIDS within three months of an HIV diagnosis from 219 to under 110. And we should have reduced deaths of HIV AIDS in England from 230 in 2019 to under 115. Now, let's give some context from a local perspective. First seven months of this year, 35 people were diagnosed with HIV at our local sexual health clinic in Slough. Yeah. Five a month. That is the highest number I have ever known in my 20 years at TVPS. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it was a shocking statistic when when, when we sort of put all the stats together and we realised that's what had happened. So I'm not sure how we locally can achieve those stats. So the first one, reducing the number of people first diagnosed, well, our diagnosis rate has massively increased. But And I think you alluded to this earlier, there are too many factors. It's not as straightforward as capturing all those that need to be testing because the goalposts keep changing. We've got movements in population. Mm. Um, locally, we've got increased drug use, chems use. We've got people not taking their medication. We've got people being diagnosed very, very late. Now I also interject, we've got a cost of living crisis. How are people supposed to necessarily find the money to get to a clinic to test or get treatment? Like we really need to, to think about like the wider aspects of this as well. Like it's just not as simple as being like, yeah, brilliant. Like, you know, everyone's on treatment, everything's great. Well, what if you can't afford to get to the clinic? To get a postal test. Well, but then what if you didn't want the test to come to your home? Well, yeah, but I'm even talking about not even just testing. I'm talking about beyond that. What about treatment? If I can't afford to get to the clinic, how am I going to stay on treatment to then be undetectable, to not mm-hmm. pass? Do you see what I mean? I, like you're saying, so many layers I would agree with you. And I think, you know, for me personally, I think we need a strategy for all of those challenges before we set any figures, because the same government that is setting this 2030 agenda is, like you're saying, contributing towards people not taking their medication or using drugs because you know, life is very tough right now. Yeah. So we've got more homeless people that we're supporting. We've got more people experiencing mental health issues. We've got more people unable to afford food. And we know because it's been, you know, it's really well documented that people living with HIV, actually not just people living with HIV, anyone living with a long-term condition will manage better if their basic needs are being met and they're not experiencing crisis after crisis. Yeah. And I think it definitely applies here. We're trying to, I mean, we're both fully on board with trying to achieve those aims that the government has set out. But the reality is, on a front on the front line is that people are struggling too much and this is why we have more people who aren't taking their medication because if you can't afford to buy food and you need to take food with your medication we've seen people say well i I just won't take my meds because you know i haven't got any food in the house and i need to get to the food bank and it's just too complex too challenging for people at the moment yeah yeah it's a lot yeah it's just too many variables there really are 
I think there are. I think it's very difficult, isn't it? And as as we've said, because we have got more people with challenges and we definitely have, you know, we've both worked in the organisation for a long time and I've never known it be like this before. No, I haven't. No. And like you said, we've never had that many referrals ever no. in a month. That's crazy. Like five in a month. Yeah, it's just and all with different issues. I think the other thing is that we couldn't like we always look at the new referrals that are kind of sent to us and see if there are any common themes because you know it's better to do preventative work to stop those themes from happening yeah. than to firefight when they happen all at once but there aren't really well there are common themes in that no one's got enough money and nobody's got appropriate housing and nobody has enough food and nobody can afford to get to the clinic anyway yeah but they're right across the board and if you go into that you know the other challenges around perhaps immigration for example or you're in a lot of debt yeah or um you're on a zero hours contract and you're just not making enough money to meet your rent each month it's team i feel this would be achievable if we weren't living in these times yes yeah well yeah i'd still think it'd be difficult if i'm honest from for lots of the things we talked about but yes i think this this sort of adds another layer of it being making it extremely challenging yeah and I think like you said with migration as well so we've talked about movements in population uh, and across Berkshire we've seen quite significant movement Um, and again that adds to the challenge doesn't it yeah absolutely absolutely how do you keep track of people and I just again what what are the measures of success what are they because I just don't know how you'd say yeah we've achieved don't get me wrong like I, it's good to have a goal. It's great to have a goal. So I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have that goal, but like you're saying, it all seems very like, but how are we, how are we going to get there? Because this just seems a bit like, what? I feel like they'll announce next year or the year after how uh, the country has done in, in reaching those goals and getting to under 600. <laughs> I feel like 559 of those people will be Berkshire. That seems to be the way we're going. Yeah, everyone really else does. will be like, oh, bravo, we've definitely reduced the number of people diagnosed. And <laughs> you will be like, oh, no. Well, that, no. That, like you're saying, our trends seem to be going the other way. It's weird. And I haven't looked at other areas of the country. I feel like we, I mean, we've said this before, we always feel like we're travelling on a separate path to everybody else, which is concerning, isn't it? I think absolutely. And I think this is why I know this is why you definitely wanted to do this episode and talk about this because of that fact of going, are we? Are we alone in feeling like this, that we're maybe not quite getting there, that our direction is different? I think sometimes, and this is going to be controversial, I think we all just smile. Or, or sometimes I feel like in the sector, it's just a lot of smiling and nodding and everyone agreeing and going, yeah, everything's brilliant. We're all going towards 2020, 2030. And you're like, but are, are we? Are we being honest? Are we having honest conversations? I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we're not having particularly honest conversations and we're all just supposed to smile and nod and say yes everything's going great very true though and we've found this before haven't we with PEMS use for example where we are seeing more and more men who are using drugs using crystal meth uh, than ever before and there's no money to do any prevention work around that and substance misuse services are already kind of busy and aren't always equipped to, to support those people anyway, because as we've talked about before, it's linked to sex. But again, you don't really see that being reflected across the country because maybe nobody talks about it. I don't think they do. I think perhaps there are other charities sat in similar situations as much. But again, you don't be, want to be that one person that puts your head above the parapet and goes, um, I, I don't think it's going that well. And everyone just shouts you down. You don't want to be that one, do you? But maybe we're 
we could start a trend and start a conversation of saying, I don't think we're going to get there. It's not because we don't want to. But I don't think we are. That's Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, no one wants to be the first, do they? Get, no, no. We're, we're well, gonna... Exactly. Why haven't we? And actually, if we didn't have this podcast, Jimbo's joining. I'm so sorry about that. He's gonna very just, annoyed I'm about just all gonna, of this. Isn't he? I'm just going to keep going. I think if we didn't have this podcast, we wouldn't be openly talking about this. No, we wouldn't, actually. No, absolutely not. No one's going to go to any kind of HIV meeting with all the key stakeholders from around the country and go, none of this is for us. We're not, you know. Exactly, exactly. Or or, or maybe have comments or criticise perhaps some of the directions that have been taken. I mean, you're not going to do that, are you? You're just going to go... Yeah, everything's brilliant. Thanks. Bye. Like, let's be honest. Right. The second, um, what were they that came up with? Objectives is around reducing the number of people diagnosed with AIDS within three months of an HIV diagnosis, which I find, again, this is an interesting one. That's really achievable. It's just yeah. about diagnosing someone and getting them onto their meds. But I wonder where that leaves people who don't take their medication. And we have quite a few of these people at the moment. Yep. We had a service user recently that does not want to take their HIV medication. They've been sporadically taking it for years um, and they ended up in hospital, unsurprisingly, uh, with an AIDS-defining illness. They're much better now, but they spent a long, long time in hospital. And they are not the only person that we have. We have people that are open with us about not taking their medication. And there are lots of reasons, aren't there, why people don't. I know it's easy to think, oh, to be judgmental and think, well, why not? The medication's there and it's free. Yeah. No, that, no, but like you're saying, there are loads and loads and loads of different reasons. I think it's it's actually a really huge issue. And like you said, I think we're probably seeing more than we've ever seen people who don't want to take their medication or yeah I just think like you're saying I think that is a massive one-to-one pick that I don't think we should start to do on this episode because we'd be here forever but all like you're saying all sorts of different people different walks of life just choosing this we cannot force people to do that you know for some people um they don't want to take them for, because of their religious beliefs for example and they or they believe that they can be cured in another way so you're almost facing an impossible task in persuading someone because you're questioning their faith, which I think. And again, we can do an episode specifically on this probably later down the line because it is a big subject. But we also have to be, you know, we have to respect that sometimes people just don't want to do what we believe is right for them, but they're an adult. They've got full capacity to make those decisions. I mean, we've had people recently almost die, come out of hospital, start back on meds, and then months go by and it's noticeable they're missing clinic appointments they're not wanting to attend and they're they're lying about it and saying to other people oh yeah everything's great and everything's fine I'm taking my meds what do you do at that point if if someone's not scared enough because do you know what I mean like their 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 health deteriorated that much it's a really big like you're saying this is this is like another issue where it's like we should be concentrating on this and trying to find a way like you're saying with these people are adults but how how can we move forward how will we hit 2030 you can't just go you can't just wave a magic wand and say everyone's going to feel this way and everyone's going to want to take their meds because like you've just said not everyone feels that way not everyone wants to take their meds no exactly and i think this kind of report or this strategy doesn't really take into account all those little pockets of people that we've just been talking about. And they're small numbers, don't get me wrong, not massive numbers of people. They are small numbers, but they are also the ones that are most likely to pass it on. And they are not alluded to in this report at all or this strategy, whatever you want to call it. 
Well, no, it's just like these are the things we're going to do. Like top level, isn't it? Top level. Yeah. These these are the things that we should all be doing. And and this, I think, is where we find it challenging because we're like, well, what about this person over here and that person there and these three people here? They, it's just different, isn't it? It's just off at the end. It's not giving up, isn't it? Well, I just no, can't because it anymore. I feel the same. It's all very well. I could write a report that says, you know, right, so this is what we're going to do for HIV and Boxer. It doesn't mean it will actually happen, just writing something down. I mean, the third point um, about HIV deaths, isn't it sad? No one should die of HIV or an AIDS-defining illness in this country in this day and age. Absolutely To be talking about getting those numbers down is just, that's sad. Right. The government do tell us how we are going to achieve these, though, Jess. Take note. Right. I'm ready for it. So they said, we will keep doing what we know works. What's that? (laughs) Have they listed what that actually is? Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. The progress we've made has required focus, effort and investment across the health system and beyond. Now, we're in that beyond bit. I had any funding invested in us. It's very Buzz Lightyear, isn't it? Yes, it really is. So they said to maintain this, we cannot take our foot off the pedal or change track. We have to redouble our efforts to make up ground loss during COVID-19. Redouble our efforts. But but doing what again? What are the tangible things that they're doing? You know what came to mind for me? Sexual health clinics. (laughs) I mean, they redoubled their efforts years ago and throughout COVID. I just think that's insulting. We're not working hard enough. I want everyone to work twice as hard to achieve the objectives that are unachievable because the HIV landscape is not how they see it. This is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I just feel it's rude, isn't it? It's like, guys, I know you've had funding cuts and I know you've got a lack of resource and I know you've got an increase in service users, but can you just all redouble your efforts? Do more. Because you are way below par at the moment. Yeah, it's bad, isn't it? Oh, I feel valued now. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They also want us to expand, improve, tailor and innovate. Anything that's got innovate in it, I'm just, I switch off. Okay. So overused. So to ensure we reach everyone at risk of acquiring and transmitting HIV and deliver effective combination prevention, including testing, treatment and care. That's what we've got to do. Expand, improve, tailor and innovate. We're just not doing enough of it, Jess. Just not. There's not enough of that happening. And as as our numbers decrease... Obviously, as are increasing, so we've got that extra mountain to climb. But as numbers decrease, we will need to keep redefining our approach to find and support the people who need it. Who knew? But they haven't even said what works. I'm going to go back to that beginning bit where they still haven't told us like what they their secret formula of what works so well. Oh, no, they haven't. But it requires focus, effort and investment, Jess. So across the health system and beyond. <laughs> So look, we are, we're at the end of this episode because I can't take any more. I'm bloody livid. We're going to look at the plan's objectives in more details next week and we will give our, I feel we've given our views already. We'll give more of our views. We will just have more shocked expressions and just words of disbelief again. Yes, but we will do it in a way that is obviously um, innovative, tailored, expanded and improved. I can't wait. I literally, I want you to like, at the end of next episode, let's go through them and tick off whether we managed to achieve those goals. Oh, I can tell you now, right? No, none of them. We'll have been kicked out. We won't be part of the health system and beyond. Oh God, what, by next week, do you think? They'll hear this. Oh, oh God, get them out of here. <laughs> Government's going to target us as they all included any of this, mocking us. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I mean, I'm actually going to go away and try and have a little bit of a look into where some of that 20 million went. 
That would be very interesting, actually. Yes, because I don't know. I was all about the kind of words and, and not about the finances. Oh, so right. that would be very interesting. And this, we are coming back to this next week and we will come back to this in future. It's important for us. It's the only framework we've got. Yeah. So we need to kind of know it off by heart. I just think there's nothing more demoralising, is there, than knowing what you're supposed to be achieving and then finding that on a day-to-day basis, you're just never going to achieve it on your own. Yeah, it's just not, it's just not going to happen. And everyone else is sailing along going, yeah, we're, we're doing so good, everyone. Woo! And you're like, oh, are we? Is it? Oh, we're not included in that. Yeah, but then maybe, I mean, to be fair to us, we have higher HIV prevalence in Slough and Reading than a lot of the London boroughs and most of the cities in England. Yeah, most major UK cities, don't we? And our populations are much smaller. And I don't know, we always get asked, don't we, why Why is that? Why do you have high prevalence? I don't know. We knew. It's such a massive question. Do you know what? I'm actually dreading World AIDS Day coming up again this year. Not literally <laughs> dreading it for the day that it is, because I love it. love the awareness raising, but I mean, it should be every day. But it's more because when we get asked for press interviews, that is always the question. So why, why is prevalence so high? And I always just say, that is a massive question that I am not going to be able to answer for you in what? The 30 seconds that you'd like me to. If we knew the answer to that, right, then then we would be tw- on track for 2030. It is a huge question that's just much more complicated than just going, it's because of this and I think we'd be really naive if we did just have some sort of stock answer I like you know I feel all we've done is moan about the fact we can't achieve this and now we're telling everybody that we don't know why prevalence is so high around (laughs) (laughs) we do work really hard by the way we should say that people listening to this going you're just not doing your jobs well enough are you we are are doing our jobs very well let me tell you let me reassure anybody listening uh that wants to fund us to do work we are redoubling our efforts as per the government guidance within our remit of being in the beyond sector of the health sector and beyond so never fear everyone we are working our hardest yeah we're on it we're on it like don't worry but no on a serious note we do work really really hard we just wanted to be honest about this whole 2030 goal you know it's like sarah's saying there have been so many funding cuts in our sector and we all work so so hard all of the charities do we know that all of the sexual health clinics and like you're saying all of the positive people who are constantly engaging in services and taking their meds but it's just it's just still not going to be some magic formula that just makes it happen no no this is why you need local strategies because you know different areas of the country are different in terms of um the population they serve yeah. obviously but also in terms of the challenges they face it so having an overall strategy it should then be brought down to local level i feel made more specific to us there should be roundtable discussions about what the challenges we're facing and how how they, how they compare to other kind of key HIV stakeholders in our area. None of that is happening at the moment. And so I think it's quite difficult to try and achieve a national government initiative without local support. Completely agree with you. And I think I think it's important that we covered this topic. We talk about it a lot, but like we've said before, what does it actually mean? Mm. So there you go. That's the fast fast bit, first bit of kind of what we're talking about, what the government's talking about. Okay, wonderful. Well, hopefully our sound will be all fixed and sorted out from next week and we won't have uh, one of my dogs barking in the background. We've avoided Which that one is it? Is this months. Jimbo? Is Jimbo, this... yeah. I just don't think he likes my voice. Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The HIV Podcast for behind the scenes insights and video. The HIV Podcast is produced by Thames Valley Positive Support. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.